It is good to see you here on the first Sunday of 2022. You know, when I was in high school, junior high, elementary school, they had us write the date up on the, the top of the paper. Did you, did you do that? Do you remember when you used to sign something called checks? If you're under the age of 30, you go, what's a check? But uh, you'd, you'd write the date on the check. How many people have to get re-geared to put the right date? up at the top of your paper, you know what I mean? So this is 2022, and we're going to be talking about 2022 and setting kind of the path on purpose that you don't just fall up a hill, you know what I mean? And so we're not going to fall up a hill this year. We're going to do some planning and some preparation, get our hearts right, and then we're going to live out what we have planned, our program that we have written for our lives based on the Word of God. Not based on opinion, not based on the traditions of men, but on the word of God. Now this morning, I want to title the message, This Time Next Year. How many people remember the beginning of 2021? The only thing that I do remember is I was glad that it wasn't 2020 anymore. Everybody remember that? You're just like, we made it. Now now we get to this and we go, I I made it. And that's good because we did make it. But this year, we're going to do more than just make it to the finish line of this year. We're going to do some things on purpose. Let me ask you this. What if today I was going to sign you up for a new bank? That's right, a bank. And I was going to tell you that in this bank, every day, $86,400 was going to be deposited. Every day, $86,400 into your bank account. How many people would sign that up? Let me tell you, there's a little bit of a catch on that. Every night, the balance that whatever you have not spent was going to be taken out of your account. What would you do? You would withdraw whatever was left in there about 11 o'clock. You know, say, well, I'm not going to, so I'm going to take it out. Think about that. Every day, what would you do if $86,400 was given to you? Just let me give you about five seconds. What is one of the first couple things that you would do. I don't know the answer, but Jesus, Jesus, you know. <laughs> Let's just say, yeah, no. $86,400 in your account. Every night it's taken out. But the good news is another 86400 would be deposited. Most people would say, well, Pastor, I, I would take out the balance and then I would be able to use it. Well, we all have something, and it's called a bank, but it's got time. Every day you have 86,400 seconds that's given to each one of us. Here's the thing, is at the end of the day, whatever you do not use is taken away. You can't go back and use the time that you've either wasted or that you spent on something else. Now think about this, as we get into this year, it's so important to realize the things that a lot of times that we ask God for, the the three big prayer requests, I call them, is on your health. Pastor, could you pray with me because I'm going through something in my body, you know, or a family member. Uh, The other one is on our finances. God needs to help me pay this bill or help me through this financial difficulty. My tires fell off or, you know, whatever it is that God has to help me. I I need a miracle on my finances. 
And another one is relationships. I'm, I'm fighting with my wife. My husband is not seeing it my way. Pastor, could you pray that he'd see it my way? My boss, I'm telling you what, he's a, uh, he's a boss. And so we get all bent, and sometimes because of our relationships, our health, and our finances. And all of us want to go to happiness in those areas of our life, but a lot of times we do not look at it with the time that we've spent in those areas working on those, because we all have in common energy. We have somewhat the same energy, the strength, material resources. We all have time, and the most important in this message I want you to see is the time that we have to be able to put into those things that are the most important. Now, now stick with me this morning. You know, when I was going through high school and college, I would do some landscaping. And, and the first time that I did some pruning of some trees, I'm telling you, I was green. About as green as some of the trees that I was pruning. Okay, you guys got to pick up your A game here at 2022. So anyway, I was pruning, and, and they would, you know, I was wondering, what should I cut off and what should I keep? Because a lot of times you go in somebody's backyard and they go, could you prune those trees? And you wonder, well, let me tell you, a lot of times I thought just pruning was cutting off all the dead branches off of a tree. But that's not pruning because the dead branches usually will take care of themselves. They're going to fall off. But the pruning takes place of the branches that are not going in the right direction. They're taking up sap that could be put in a direction of another branch in the tree, and then you could see more of a harvest or a beneficial of the fruit of that tree, even if it's a decorative tree. Everybody with me on this? So it's selecting and cutting good branches, but they're not the best branches for the tree. Now listen, when the sap goes to the right place, it creates a nourishment. Those resources in every one of those trees were limited, just like in your life. You have so much time in your day, so much energy that you're going to spend on the things that are more important to you than others. But if you're not careful, the enemy comes in and he brings in distractions and tries to get your focus off of the main thing and the important things of life and puts them on all these little things, even though that sometimes they're the most easily to accomplish. What did you do today? Well, I really did a lot of work. I, I cleaned out my sock drawer and folded them all again. Well, good. We're talking about the important things of life. Now, now listen to this, because when we're talking about pruning this year in our life, what I want you to do is be encouraged to start looking at some of the attitudes that we all display and is that it is evident to the people that are around us. So if you think that things are running smooth, but maybe somebody close to you can just in a loving, and I repeat, loving way, husbands, wives. See, I can be a little bit bolder because Gwen stepped out for some reason. Be loving and just say, you know, this, this year, you might want to just kind of, kind of, watch the way that you look at something if, if, if there's a negative trend running in your brain on something the, the the mindset of we're never going to have enough prune that from your life maybe the the 
poverty mindset of thinking, you know what? If somebody over here gets a little bit more, then I'm going to get a little bit less. We have a God, again, that we've been talking about, a God of more than enough. And he not only has a more than enough for me, but he has a more than enough for you. Prune that negative junk out of your life. You know, the Bible says that let us not become weary in doing good. Is there anybody in here that gets weary sometimes in doing good? You feel like, am I the only one doing good? The Bible says this, there's good news. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we just don't give up. See, sometimes it's as easy as just don't give up pruning those bad things out of your life. Doing the right thing, even at the wrong, when everybody else seems to be doing the wrong thing. So this morning, ask yourself, in concerning time, what has to go and what can stay? What is the most wildly important and productive thing or idea that God can put in your life this year or has put in your life? And what does heaven want to manifest in your life this year that will bring the best season of harvest that you've ever experienced? Because all the experiences that you've been through already in your life has brought you to this moment. As we step into a new year, to you to see things happen in a harvest in your life that possibly you've never seen before. You believe that. This morning, to begin to divert the available energy out of all those things that the enemy has tried to speak into your life. And you begin to say no to those things. You begin to purposely in the morning create systems of waking and spending time in the word of God and confessing over your life I have enough and the things that I need I know that my God can supply you say pastor I already know that but are you telling yourself that are you walking in agreement with God in the favor that he wants to give you this year 2022 come on did some of us, when we were, I mean, when you think about 1989, that sounds like yesterday to me. Does it to some of you? Some of you mature folk ought to be saying, yes, but they're going. Come on, man. Time goes that fast. This morning when we begin to look at people like David and he begins to say in a time period where everybody else is walking in fear because the Israelites were not the dominating force. They just got a um, king named Saul and, and the Philistines are overtaken. But here's a David, a man that comes in and he's given the title a man after God's own heart. And you begin to say, well, what does that mean? But you begin to read the things of David. And, and one of the characteristics that God tells us to have, that David have, had, is when he got the promise, he also had the ability to have patience until the promise came into manifestation. He was given the title as the next king of Israel. Now think about this. What does he do after he gets the kingship? 
Does he go and overtake the king that's in office? Does he begin to start a media program with his own TV station to talk bad about the other political group? You know what it says that David did? He returns to the pasture and waits. He goes back to keeping his father's sheep, but he begins to stand on the promise of God. How do we know that? A lot of the Psalms that he wrote was in that time period of his life when he's waiting for the manifestation of the promise in his life. Think about it this way. If the things that you've been believing God for in your life, if it's your healing and a relationship and your finances, and what would it be if you said, God, this year I'm putting that energy towards that one thing that you gave me, and I'm going to wait patiently, and one year your life could drastically be changed. One year. In Hebrews chapter 8, it talks about all these wonderful people that we use as an example In Hebrews chapter 8 and 10 through 10, it says, By the act, Abraham said yes to God. Now watch this. He says yes to God, and he goes to a country, he goes to a city, that God's going to be the architect and the builder. But here's the thing that I want you to understand and get, is he doesn't even know where he's going. He just sits out. And he says, God, I know you have a place for me. I don't see it. I can't taste it. I can't touch it. It's not on the map but I'm going to stand on your promises. Some of you need to hear that today. You say, God, I need more visibility. I need more things in my life that I can actually see so that I can take another step. And God says, you just take another step and I'll open up some things that you can't see right now. This morning, I want you to hear this because here's Abraham and then he passes that trade on to his son Isaac and he passes it on to his son Jacob. So many times leaving a legacy to our children, things like this are overlooked. This is more important than even great riches or an inheritance of wealth. It's being able to teach our children God is faithful. Just believe and keep walking. Stay the course. Some of you have been in church a long time in your life and you've been believing and and confessing over your life. I believe that God is faithful as we sing today. And maybe you have not received the promises that God has given you, but you're still holding again to the promises of God, even though you don't see it. That's what I'm talking about today. Now this morning I want you to look at this. And this is the passage of scripture that some of you need to write down for your life this year. In Acts chapter 2, verse 26, it's talking about David. And he says this, Acts 2, 26. I saw God before me for all time. Listen to this. Nothing can shake me. Now, let's back up. Why could nothing shake him? Because he saw God before him all the time. Nothing could shake me. He's right by my side. Listen, I'm glad from the inside out. I'm ecstatic. Now, why is he? How did the message translation, the next sentence will say it. I've pitched my tent in the land of hope. I've pitched my tent in the land of hope. In the land of hope, how many people would honestly say that you've done the same thing today? 
Maybe you're here today and you're a person of maybe reality, which is another name, if you're not careful, of negativity. This is what I want to encourage you today, and I say it again in respect. If you're not pitching your tent, if you're not living in the land of hope, then where are you living? Some of you need to dig up the tent stakes where you're at right now and move. Move the mindset that you have that all these things are probably going to go wrong. All these God's good, but you know, sometimes he's not. Let me, let me speak this over your life. When God is about ready to promote you from this physical realm, you know, the, the uh, unseen realm into the physical realm, what you're believing for by faith, when God's promoting you from the spiritual to the physical realm, he doesn't take a vote. It's not up to your popularity. Let's say that this way. Stop focusing on who is against you and start focusing on who is for you. Because when you begin to see that God says, with me, I don't care if it's just one, with me, we're a majority. And you can begin to walk out that promise knowing that you're going to be confident that God is faithful in the land of the living. See, a lot lot of people say God's going to be faithful when we get to heaven. God says, your eternity starts the day that you come in covenant with me and make me Lord and Savior. I believe that with all my heart. Now, now let me encourage you through some examples in the scripture. There was a godly king that had not been a part of a, a, a family tradition of serving God. David was a man after God's own heart, but his children occasionally would drift off. And then some of the kings were just horrible. There was a king that came to power, one of the ancestors of David through the lineage, and his name was Hezekiah. And some of you are looking probably for a book in the Bible. There is no book called Hezekiah, but he was King Hezekiah. And I want you to see it this way because this is a powerful story of some of you right today that feel like you're surrounded by the enemy and you don't see a way out. Hezekiah did some things during his reign, and one of them was that he cleaned out the temple. It had become like a storage bin for unnecessary things. And he cleaned it out, and he began worshiping God, and the people did too. And the Bible says that a king from Assyria called Sennacherib, what a name, huh? Sennacherib, decided he was going to come and not only destroy Jerusalem and Israel, but he was going to destroy Hezekiah. And the Bible says that his massive army that outnumbered Jerusalem, you know, probably 10 to 1, I don't know exactly, but it was so big that they encompassed the whole city of Jerusalem and were really starving him out, like a lot of times they would do. They would lay siege to city. And here's what happened is the enemy, Sennacherib, would send his messengers with letters to give to Hezekiah. And what the messengers would do is they would come up to the wall and instead of sending it in to the king, they would begin to read it in the language of the Jewish people. Why? So that they could be fearful of what was going to happen to them from the opinion of the enemy. 
And they begin reading this letter out and they begin to say stuff over and over about, look at all these other countries and all of their gods that we've laid waste to and conquered. Your God's not going to be anything different. And one of the letters finally got to Hezekiah. And what did he do? God, I can't do it anymore. No, what he did, and I love this story. Some of you, and let me just tell you this. Sometimes you need to have license to do the things of the Bible that you just read about. And some of us don't put it into practice to this point. But let me give you an idea. What he did is he took that letter that the enemy wrote of all the threats that was going to happen to him. Hezekiah, and Hezekiah took that letter and he puts it out on the altar of God. He says, God, look what the enemy is saying, not only about us, but about you. See, some of you are hearing voices of the enemy saying, you're not going to be here next year. Sometimes, I, I, now this is John Miller, this isn't the Bible, but I, I think some of us need to write that all out and look at all those threats that we're listening to and put it in front of the altar and say, God, look at this. I, I'm not believing the report of the enemy anymore. I'm giving it to you. The next passage of the scripture, I don't care if I'm at home by myself. I can't hardly read without getting emotional because I, I hear the love of our God. And sometimes the question in our life is, does God hear us when we're going through those tough times? Will he take up? Will he watch our six, you know, our back? But listen to what God says through Isaiah in verse 27 of chapter 19. He, he, God is talking to Sennacherib and he says, uh, l- listen to this King Hezekiah. You're my man and let me tell you what I'm going to do. He says, but I know where you are. And when you come and go, and how you rage against me, talking about the king of Assyria, he says in verse 28, because you rage against me and because your insolence has reached my ears, I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth, and I will make you return by the way that you came. Now, Now, we're not talking about somebody that's just out there kind of, you know, raggling and talking, you know, smack. We're talking about the creator of the universe. And then he continues in verse 32. I can see God, and and if he's got hair on the back of his neck, it's standing up at this time. He's he's ready. Because in verse 32 it says, He will not enter this city or shoot an arrow here. He will not come before it with a shield or build a siege ramp against it. Verse 33 says, by the way that he came, he's going to return. He will not enter this city, declares the Lord. If you want to know who's saying it, it's the Lord that's saying it. I will defend this city and save it for my sake and for the sake of David, my servant. Now listen to what happens. That night, that very night, the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. And when the people got up the next morning, there were all these dead bodies So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp and withdrew, and he returned to Nineveh and stayed there. God says, I want you to go back there. This year, 
the enemy that's been speaking over your life, I'm telling you now, by the favor of God, he's got to go. What are you believing for? Some of you are believing for a breakthrough in your finances, and that might be a new position at the work that you're doing, the job that you're doing. Some of you are believing for a child. Some of you are believing for a husband. Some of you are believing for a wife. I heard a guy said, I'm two-thirds the way there. I'm willing and God's willing. I just got to find a woman willing. You're almost there, guy. You're almost there. God says, I've got this. I've got you. This time next year. Yeah, put your tent, the spikes down in the land of hope. Let me show you another one. This is another favorite of mine, and, and it's considered the four lepers at the wall. There's another time in the history of Israel where the land is under siege, and Jerusalem is under siege, and the enemy is coming so strong that he has starved them out. They're eating things inside the city that is disgusting. The Bible says that in the first part of 2 Kings chapter 7, it says Elisha is prophesying again the goodness of God. And he says this, something that is so hard to believe. He says like tomorrow. Now remember, they're starving. For weeks they have not eaten good food and they don't think there's anything even, even resembles a good meal tomorrow. And Elisha says, the flour and barley, it's going to sell for cheap tomorrow. Like two gallons of flour and, and a four gallons of barley will sell for a dollar. Now listen, there's a lot of times people that fall into the category, which is in verse 2, the officer on the arm of the king. Whoever this guy was, he was an officer, he was a man of influence. And he wanted to speak reality instead of speaking by faith. And he says it this way. He says, look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of heaven, could this happen? Listen, the consequence of that attitude is always going to be negative, And negative is always going to be self-prophetical over yourself. But in this story, it goes even a notch further. He says, you... Elisha says, you will sit with your own eyes, but you will not eat any of it. So the rest of the story, let me just say this. There's four guys that are unclean. They have a disease, and it's leprosy. And they come up with the conclusion that some of us even need to you know, shake ourselves this morning and go, hey, 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 because we're one foot in and one foot out of faith, and we can't commit to faith, and we come in and go out, and we come in. But these guys are going, you know what? We have leprosy. And they're looking at each other going. We're going to die. We're going to die here of starvation. Or we can go out there and die. And maybe the enemy will have even grace on us. And they get to this point of going. Well what do we have to lose? And they go out there. And the word that Elisha has already spoken. Has already gone ahead of it. You know the, the circumstance. And changed the circumstance. These four guys go out and nobody is in this camp. But the good news is all the food and all the supplies, all the gold, all the precious materials, they left. 
And the lepers decide to tell the people inside the city, there's such a stampede of people that the officer that was on the king's arm, he gets stampeded as people run out. He saw it, but was not able to feed it himself. Let me give you one more. It's a story that a lot of us know. A story about Esther. Sometimes we think of her as a mighty king or queen that, that has been chosen for the king. But most history or, or tradition is that she is just a young, like, teenage girl. And, and what I want you to see this morning, and we talked about this for the last four or five weeks, is sometimes we do not step out in faith because we think that we're not all that. We're too young or we're too old or we don't know the have enough education or whatever it is. I want you to use Esther as an example in your life this morning. See what seems impossible. God says, you're anointed to solve that problem. See, we fight against while we're in a job or we're in a situation that is so negative. You're anointed to solve the problem. Do you know even bosses and employers, one of the top three things that they look for in new hires is a person that is a problem solver. If you're an employer or you're a, uh, some kind of management position and you're looking for someone, you know as well as me, there's nothing like somebody that sits on the side of the curb and says, I got a flat tire, boss. Someone needs to come fix it. I'm going to go, can't you fix the tire? God has anointed you to solve the problem where you live right now in your job situation. And in this story, here's Esther, and she's chosen, and she's got to be reminded of this by her uncle or her cousin, whichever one um, that you believe that she was related to in, in the, uh, Mordecai. Because the enemy is coming against God's people, and she's in the middle of it just watching from a spectator's role. And her cousin Mordecai comes in and says, well, well, well just a minute, Esther. For if you remain silent, is this time relief and deliverance from the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish, and who knows, this is it, but who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. This morning, I want you to understand that what God has given you, also God has given to a promise to the person next to you, the person that is here at your church that needs desperately for encouragement. Stay the course. You say, well, I'm not a minister, and I don't know a lot about the Bible. You're drawing a breath. You can be an encourager. That this morning in 2022, it's time to prune some of those negative things out of your life and begin to focus on the goodness of God. And then watch this. Let me, let me, let me give you some um, the next step. And, and when you start believing and saying, okay, in 2022, I'm going to prune some of that stuff out of my life. I'm going to change some systems. Sometimes it's as easy as when you get up in the morning that, that you spend some time with God. That you spend time thinking on the goodness of God instead of thinking, oh, no, I got to go to work today. And then sometimes it almost goes against what you, you feel when I say something like resting in God while you wait. 
See, that, that's, it's like an oxymoron. You say, what, how, how in the world does that work? I, I'm so impatient. I want it to happen tomorrow. I get that. But God says, if you rest in me and the confidence that you'll have, you'll see my faithfulness constantly working while you wait by faith. In Hebrews chapter 4, this is a powerful message when the promises are mixed with faith. So right now, as we start this year and you're going, God, I'm believing this year. I'm believing and expecting and looking and longing for you to show up in my life. Encourage you to wait and rest in his promises. See, the children of Israel did not do that when they were coming out of slavery. They were coming out of the, the land of Egypt into the wilderness to go into the promised land. That's what we're doing in our lives. We're waiting to go into the promise and see it visibly with our own eyes. In Hebrews chapter 4, this is what it says for as long as. Then, as the promise of resting in him pulls us on to God's goal for us, we need to be careful that we're not disqualified. We receive the same promises as those people in the wilderness, but the promises didn't do them a bit of good. It didn't do them a bit of good because they didn't receive the promises with faith. If we believe, though, we'll experience the state of resting, but not if we don't have faith. This morning, let me repeat it. Acts chapter 2, verse 26. I've pitched my tent in the land of hope. Can you say that? Will you be able to say that in June? Will you be able to say that in October? Will you be able to say, you know what, Pastor, I've still decided to live in the land of hope. I, I can't see it yet, what God has promised me. But I am believing that this year, next time, God can change my circumstance dramatically. Joseph didn't know that in a few minutes he was going to be brought to the Pharaoh and his whole life and his whole family would be changed. You open up your belief system right now, first Sunday of January 2022, and say, God, I can rest in your promises because I know you're faithful. Faithful to me every step of my life. And today I've decided to do that for you. This morning, I wanted you just to bow your heads. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. This morning, I want to just pray over you, and then we're going to sing, and then we'll pray again for dismissing. But but listen, don't 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 take this lightly. Don't go to the next step and think, you know, I'm ready to go home until you say right now, God, what is in my life that I need to be pruned? Because God, I know that when I when I reap a harvest, God, when I produce fruit, it is to bring you glory, that men might see God the goodness of God in my life. God, I take responsibility for those things that are going on in my life that are not right. Listen, God is faithful, and some of you might be going through addictions. Some of you might be going through a depression in your life, and you say, Pastor, it just rolls off your tongue, and it's so easy to say it, but it's a lot harder to do it, and, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to belittle that. 
But what I am doing is saying, can you take the first step and say, God, I believe that this is my year. This is the year that that addiction is broken and the slavery and the chains fall off of me. God, this is the year that I'm not going to walk like maybe the people in my past that have 